June the 6th, 1944, a date etched in history as D-Day. An invasion took place here in Normandy that brought the curtain down on a global conflict that took the lives of over 50 million people. The Bible graphically portrays the human problem. War will only cease when the war is won within the human heart. Under the cover of darkness in the early hours of June the 6th, 1944, 12,000 men of the British 6th Airborne Division jumped into fields around here. One of them was 20-year-old Harry Reid. On the 75th anniversary, he parachuted into Normandy for a second time at the age of 95. After the war, Harry became a leader in the Salvation Army and he is a man who is loved by so many for his devotion to God and to people. I was honoured and privileged to interview him in his home. This is what he said to me about the day he leapt into combat on D-Day. Uh, the division I belonged to was created purely and simply for D-Day. So that was the 6th Airborne? 6th Airborne Division. Yeah. Uh, none of our men, or very few of our men, had ever been in action, and, and we were well trained. Uh, but when we made the, came up to the, the, the days immediately before D-Day, we went into a confidential uh, area where we were locked away from the public, uh, okay. wire, barbed wire and all this kind of stuff. Because of the secrecy. Because of the secrecy. Yeah. And, and we were going to be briefed in detail for the task that we were to do. And uh, uh, just about every bit of brief, uh, briefing ended up with, uh, at whatever cost, this must be, uh, this, this situation must be successful, um, because it's so crucial. I read into it that, uh, that my life was on the line. The, the youthful uh, conviction that I had that I was immortal began to be undermined very seriously. And I remember going from that situation, finding a very quiet place. It was a lovely sunny day, uh, a very quiet place where I could roll through my mind what I had to come to terms with. There was no thought that I would jib, that I would refuse, that I, I would back off. Uh, we don't do things like that. But I, I had to come to terms with the fact that I may not return. Uh, that uh, indeed the odds were stacked against me returning. Uh, how did I feel about that? And uh, very thoughtfully, very, very carefully, I came to the conclusion that uh, if I was to die, I would sell my life dearly. I would not surrender. Um, I, I would press on with the job for which I'd been trained, the job for which I'd volunteered, let it be said. Before anything could happen, 
two targets had to be taken and held at all costs. The first was Pegasus Bridge. The second was this gun battery at Melville. Intelligence had pinpointed these huge, ominous concrete structures. Inside them were six-inch guns pointing at Sword Beach, only three miles away, where 28,000 men were due to come ashore at 7.30am. This battery had to be silenced. The immense challenge fell to 29-year-old Lieutenant Colonel Terence Otway and 600 men of the 9th Parachute Battalion. American Dakotas carried most of 9 Para from Greenham Common while at the same time three gliders took off from Bryce Norton. The story of what happened here is one of courage and carnage. The plan was meticulously rehearsed back in England. Every eventuality formed part of the practice runs, but nothing could have prepared the men for what they were going to experience here that morning. The plan was for the majority of the battalion to parachute into fields about a mile away, while three gliders landed inside the battery itself in a Kuderman-style attack. Most of the Dakotas quickly came under fire and, in an attempt to stay airborne, overshot the drop zone. What that meant is that most of the men never found each other and they didn't get here in time. So much for plans. The Millville battery was protected by 160 men, an anti-tank ditch, two bouts of barbed wire, 50 machine guns and three anti-aircraft guns. Because of the chaos of the drop, the assault team were desperately depleted in both men and equipment. Otway had to rethink the plan on the spot. 150 men assembled at this perimeter fence and waited for the three gliders to land inside the compound, carrying the Royal Engineers and the explosives that were needed to destroy the guns. They never arrived. So at 4.30am, Otway gave the signal to go into the battery. The men ran in with their Sten guns blazing, supplemented only by hand grenades and fighting knives. Most of the German defenders fought bravely to the death and then after 20 minutes, the bugle call was sounded and the remnant of nine para exited the battery. Only 75 of the original 600 made it out, but thousands were saved on Sword Beach just a few hours later because of their selfless dedication to duty. It was said of those men that no one told them that it was impossible, so they did it. The wounded were dragged out on wooden ammunition sledges by their friends. Those who were left rendezvoused 700 yards down the road in that direction at the Calvary Cross. Lieutenant Terence Colonel Otway sat on the steps with his head in his hands. What on earth must have been going through his mind? There are hundreds of thousands of roadside crosses all over France and as far as most people are concerned, they represent nothing other than religious history. But here's an interesting thing. Jesus dying on a cross has got nothing to do with religion but everything to do with being reconciled to God. The men who gathered there on D-Day knew 
that freedom only exists on the other side of sacrifice. That is why Jesus died on a cross for the sins of the world. Terence Otway had a background in the Church of Ireland, as did a third of the battalion. Another third were Catholic. He told a reporter after the war, I followed the teachings of the church and when a man told me that he didn't believe in God, I didn't believe him. Every person needs someone or something to believe in, especially on a battlefield. In 1993, Otway met the former German commander of the Mirvor Battery in front of the TV cameras. He shook the man's hand, but he also moved on people who were sitting on the grass eating their picnics. I don't like people eating and drinking where my men died, he said. Who could blame him? People have wronged me in my life and I've been able to forgive them because of the amount that God has forgiven me. But it's easy for me. I haven't been through what these guys went through. I can only imagine the anger, the trauma and the loss. Forgiveness in those circumstances is very difficult, I would think. The final words go to my friend, Harry Reid. I'm, I'm so glad that we liberated France. Uh, I, I'm so glad that we did, but I, I look at these graves and, oh, it churned me up. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Churned me up. Yeah. I, I, I suddenly realized I had the assurance of salvation. I was saved. Yeah. I was a new man. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I didn't need to be sort of saying, I am demanding to be saved. Yeah. I was saved. That's amazing. And, and it was quite beautiful. <laughs>